Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, rhetorical question. How often have you hired the right person for the wrong seat? Now, here's how that happens. A person is identified and it is assumed that because of their background, they will crush it for you. After all, they're already doing it for someone else. Perfect logic, right? Nope. The reason this logic is so dangerous for your company is that current skills are just a small part of success. As we've all experienced by going above and beyond to land that rock star from a name brand company, only to have them crash and burn in the first 90 days. To avoid this dilemma in the future, we simply need to understand the person's desires and level of accomplishment first. Interviewing to understand, not to sell. This produces a much stronger evidence to predict the success of your new hire in your unique business. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Thomas Brunskill. Now, Tom is the co-founder and CEO of Forge, which is changing the world of career discovery and skill building. Before moving to San Francisco, Tom was a corporate lawyer for a multinational law firm in Australia. It was during his own career journey that Tom discovered that education and a degree doesn't necessarily translate to knowing how to do a specific job role. He also realized just how inequitable the education to workforce pathway is. After observing the unfair advantage of those with access to connections and educational opportunities had, Tom made it his mission to provide anyone the ability to learn skills through virtual job simulations produced by the world's top companies by breaking down barriers to gaining workplace-specific skills. Tom hopes to level the opportunity playing field and empower anyone to pursue their dream career, which is what makes Tom the perfect expert for today's topic. Tom, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Awesome to be here, uh, Rick. Uh, excited, excited to chat, and, and thank you for that introduction. Perfect. So today we're going to discuss why your company might be hiring people in the wrong seat with the right candidate. And then also we're going to talk about how to avoid wrong seat hires. Sound like a plan? Sounds good to me. We always like to start out with a little bit of a hiring story and you shared with me a pretty good one prior. So let's bust into that. Yeah. So um, the hiring story that I had is, is not so much like a hire we made, uh, but a hire that we wanted to make and, and didn't actually uh, pull off. So uh, for context, um, at Forage, we're kind of like a series B uh, venture-backed company, growing our leadership team. Uh, between our Series A and Series B, uh, we, were, we were looking at like kind of hiring like key kind of VPs into our uh, team. And obviously, as like an early stage company, getting the right leaders into your organization is super crucial. Um, leaders in your early stage environment have just that disproportionate uh, influence on the ultimate success or demise of your company. So, you know, the stakes, the stakes are definitely high. And on this particular search for a VP role, um, I was finding it really tough. And Rick, you probably, it's not that long ago, you probably remember what it was like, but it was like the middle of 2021, startups were sitting on like a record amount of capital. And there was like, it was really challenging finding kind of exceptional talent, uh, especially at a leadership um, level to come into uh, the company. And I think I got to about 120 days into the search and I was just feeling really disheartened with the talent that we were coming across. Um, and 
you know, we'd find a kind of good candidate and someone would offer like three times the pay or something uh, outrageous. And it, it was just really challenging. But then we came across this like absolute superstar. She's probably one of the top leaders in her field here in the US. And the problem I had uh, was that I had kind of become, I suppose, disenchanted, exhausted with the process. And that probably started to show during the um, during the interview process. And so, uh, you know, the thing that I've, I've learned about being a founder is that you have to turn up to the same conversation time and time again to tell the same story. But you've got to say that story with like a level of enthusiasm and conviction as if it's like your first time. And so I got like five minutes into this interview and this candidate uh, politely interrupted and said, look, I'm not going to be rude. I'm a straight shooter, but I'm not going to take this role. And it really taught me, I suppose, like the cost of like not showing up, not being prepared and giving it your all in the interview process. And that can come at a um, really high cost. We were super fortunate that that person ironically went on to become an advisor for the company because she loved what we were doing. And she ended up connecting us to her protege, um, the, you know, someone she'd been mentoring for a number of years who... Uh, we ended up hiring into that leadership role and she's been an absolute superstar, but it all worked out in the end, but it did teach me a really valuable lesson, which is like, you've just got to keep showing up every time in those interview processes, uh, be, be enthusiastic, be prepared and, you know, be prepared that the person that's coming in might be, you know, kind of the dream person that you, you're trying to hire. So it was, a, it was a valuable, a valuable lesson. You know what I'm just going to say? You didn't hire me to help you out. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe what I did wrong. Right? I'm going to do that different next time. That was your first problem. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the challenge today because you were obviously able to kind of find the right person, get that right person in the right seat. Let's talk about that because this is a, something that I find common among every entrepreneur is that we've hired people based on our assumptions or our skills, and we hope that they're going to work out. And most of the time they don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 like when we talk about the challenge or the problem, I suppose that we're solving and we're chatting about today. Like, I feel like it doesn't need like a ton of explanation. Like, a lot of people have like experienced it themselves, whether they're like a hiring manager or whether you've been like a candidate. But like, just too often we see that the wrong people uh, end up in the wrong roles or the right, you know, or, or you know, vice versa. And, you know, there are a couple of reasons that jump out as to why we think that happens, but uh, we don't think there's like a ton of education, like great education that happens. Employees don't typically do a great job of educating what roles actually look like. We see that there is this like gap between like a candidate's perspective of what a role is and what the role actually looks like. I, I know when I, you, you know, you'd mentioned earlier that I used to work as an attorney in a uh, law firm that when I was going through law school, I thought, oh, oh yeah, I've watched Suits, I've watched Boston Legal. Um, that's what I want to do. And like shop bar is not a great reason to choose a career. And and that my, my perception of what the role is and what the reality of the role was, was two really different things. And, and the other thing that we see, which you, you kind of alluded to earlier, is that employers just use kind of the wrong hiring signals that don't predict like long-term success. Um, and, and, you know, that's like, you know, these are some of the core reasons why we see consistently just too many people uh, ending up in the wrong roles, which comes at a tremendous cost to the employer and to the candidate. And by the way, I think that comes from us. That comes from us. When we first start hiring people, we really don't define out what it is we need. We really don't educate the people that we bring in. So it actually kind of filters through. We leave these job descriptions that are kind of open-ended. 
you can help us create the job description is not necessarily, you know, that's going to permeate throughout the organization the rest of your history and cause problems. A hundred percent. And I say this as someone who's made, you know, I hear pontificating, uh, saying, you know, these are the different ways you can uh, fix the problem. I've made these, I've made these mistakes a hundred times myself. And even that one around like the open job description, like it can be flexible. We'll work with you to develop at that role. Um, so many times, uh, you know, we, we found ourselves falling into that trap. And yeah, I think it requires one thing we we always talk about like a candidate preparing for an interview. And my kind of hiring story is like an example of this. It's like we don't speak enough about like what the employer needs to do uh, to prepare for interviews or prepare for like a recruitment pre uh, campaign. That's typically, I suppose, lost in the conversation. All they have to do to prepare a lot of times is just have a process in place. A hundred percent. They could learn a thing or two from you, Rick. Well, you know, I've been doing it in a minute or two. If I would have learned this earlier, I probably would still have as much hair as you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's going back quickly. Don't worry. <laughs> you got 10 years of hair that I'll never see again. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how this can affect you. Maybe it has affected your company by making the wrong hire with the level of importance for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I suppose like it has importance for me, like for two reasons. Firstly, like obviously we're building um, an early stage company. And so getting the right people into the right roles is, is crucially important because, um, you know, early employees do have that disproportionate impact on the success of your company. Like getting it right early is, is, is so uh, important. And the, the switching cost is really high. So the cost, if you get the wrong person, and, you know, I spoke about before when I did that, uh, search that ended up taking 153 days like you do that and you cut corners and you end up with the wrong person like that switching cost is like incredibly high for you it's also just not a great experience for the candidate there's like switching costs for the candidate as well right you might have to move towns move cities like you're changing managers you're changing companies there's there's like a lot of um i suppose like pain with changing roles so you'd want to make sure it's like uh, a good match but the, the way that that cost shows up is both like directly and indirectly. There's like the direct cost of like, I've got to go back out. I've got to find like another new candidate to fill the role. I don't have someone in the role right now. I've got to like engage like an agency. I've got to like do employer branding. I've got to get my team involved in the process. But then there's also like the other part, which I don't think we talk about a lot is like the indirect cost, which is like the incalculable cost of like, the result of having like a disengaged, non-aligned non workforce. Because if you have too many, uh, you know, wrong people in the wrong seats, like your team isn't just going to be, your team isn't going to be performing at the level uh, that it needs to perform. And, and that's where like, we always talk about recruiting as like, I suppose the cost center, like, you know, this is a place that we kind of cut, cut, cut cut costs but i think like if you do it well uh recruiting can be like a a revenue generator right like if you're only as good if a company is only as good as the people in it and the success of your company is predicated on getting the right people in the right roles and that shows up in you know top line revenue and whatnot it's crucially important um that that, that you are taking the time uh to to invest in getting the right people in the right roles and the second reason so there's the the the, the part about us 
um, building a company, but also just with what we do at Forage is like we're working with companies as a HR tech company to basically do the same thing. Like how do we help other companies get the right people in the right roles? Uh, and so we see super high attrition rates. You know, we're seeing like 73% attrition rates when they're hiring like, you know, large volumes of candidates. Uh, and I think it was um, Shroom or SHRM, however you like to say it, uh, kind of reports that the cost of replacing an employee is like, the direct cost is approximately 33% of that employee's salary. So it, it, it is, when you multiply that, that's like a tremendous cost to the business while also being like a really bad experience for the candidate. You know, here's a curious observation. You had mentioned the indirect costs. You got tired of the process, you got interview fatigued, and you potentially lost that person. Luckily, you were able to save it and be able to get somebody else. But think about the cost of losing that person or losing that person entirely where they just checked out and didn't refer you somebody else. So, I mean, I was saved by like some sort of divine intervention there. Um, that is like just someone, someone out there was looking out over me and, uh, you know, uh, gave me, uh, gave me some, you know, gave me, uh, you know, as I said, that, that kind of divine intervention, but, uh, yeah, more often than not, like 90 times, 99 times out of a hundred, I would have just lost that candidate, never heard from them. And, you know, after 120 days, you know, looking down the barrel of like another 120 days, like that is coming at, that comes at a tremendous cost uh, to the company. So I was like really fortunate on that occasion, but like I, I it taught me that really valuable uh, lesson in the process. That's such a great point. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out Stride Search. There you'll find additional content and resources and your link to order the book Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your company's secret weapon to landing the strongest people. Our guest today is Thomas Brunskill, and we're talking about right person, wrong seat. That happens quite often. I mean, you find somebody who has all the skills, and quite often you get them in, and then they don't work out. And then we're left scratching our head going, I wonder why this person didn't work out. I think the big reason why that doesn't work out is because we're putting them into a place where they don't necessarily desire to be. They might take the job because for whatever reason, maybe it looks exciting, but it's not really the place in which they thrive. Have you experienced that as well? A hundred percent. Like, I've, again, I've learned the hard way that you got to hire for the role, not the person. Wait, what do you mean by that? Explain that to me what that means. So, so like, there is like a tendency, uh, well, I've fallen into this trap where, you have uh, like a, you've got like a role that you you want to fill, and you go out and you come across like a really exceptional candidate that would be good for like another part of your business. Like maybe they've worked at a really interesting company, had fascinating experiences, something about them which is really unique, and you kind of know at the time that they're not like this isn't the right role for them. But you're so impressed by that candidate that you're like. I'm going to get them into this role, but it's like ultimately putting like a square peg into like a round hole. Like it just does not work. And so we've found like this has happened, I honestly, like five, 10 times. You've actually just got to find like who is like, you know, like who is like the right person, the right profile, the right level of intent, the right skills for the specific job that you're trying to fill. So um, we have like a mantra within our company that you, you've really got to hire for the role rather than like hiring um, like optimizing for just getting like a great person in there has to be that match 
between the between the role and the candidate that you're actually hiring. That's kind of like premature hiring in a way. You're seeing somebody, you're going, oh, this person would be great. And you're assuming that they would be great. Rather than putting them in your pipeline for a later time when you can actually use that person in the right role, you're just kind of jumping the gun and going, okay, let's just try and fit this person into this role because they have a really good background. Yeah. Or alternative, the other way that it can happen. So there's that way. The other way that it can happen, you'd be like, oh, this candidate's fantastic. I don't have a role for them. I don't want to lose them. So I'm going to go and create a role, but I'm going to like create that role in like a day or two. And I'm going to like figure out like where I can fit them into my organization. They're an exceptional candidate. And so like opportunistically, I think early on um, we did that and sometimes it worked, but sometimes it definitely did not work because um, again, you were trying, you were, you weren't hiring for the role you're hiring for the person. And uh I've taken it a step lower. I think hire for the organization, not necessarily the role or the person, right? Because is it what the business needs? Exactly, exactly. And sometimes you come across like fantastic candidates that uh, are a fantastic candidate, but they aren't who the business needs at that particular point in time. Uh, It's also like, especially in like early stage companies, like companies are growing so quickly that um, certain types of people uh, are really well suited to like specific stages of that company. So like, for example, when we were like a seed stage company, there's not, there was there's going out and getting some like whiz bang VP of marketing for like a large bang company uh, into our company is like just not what you're meant to do. Like, you know, it's super impressive, super impressive career. Whereas like when we're at seed stage, what we were more focused on is like, how do we get like, highly driven, intelligent Swiss army knives. Like we used to call them like Swiss army knives. Like how can we get them in, roll their sleeves up, figure out how to build this machine, not like scale the machine. And so that's like the other thing is like you're hiring for the right, you're hiring, you're trying to hire the right person for the stage that you're actually at rather than just like there being this disconnect between where your company's at and like the impressiveness of that particular candidate. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point. I mean, in the very beginning, you want to hire builders. You need people who are prone, like they come in, that's what they do. They build stuff from scratch. And not everybody's wired that way. A hundred percent. Especially people who come out of large, impressive. I've seen this mistake happen hundreds of times throughout my career where we're chasing somebody who comes out of a name brand company because it looks good to the investors. Yeah. So they'll be happy with us. I've virtually never seen that work out. Yeah. I don't know if you experience that at all as well, but Totally, totally have it. So like I always, my kind of simple matrix is I once saw a tweet and um, excuse the French, but the the tweet goes, uh, there's two types of people in an early stage company. Uh, You're either building shit or selling shit. And so in that really early stage, what's like crucially important is that you're attracting people who are builders uh, or who are sellers who are kind of willing to roll their sleeves up and like build the playbook, right? They're not, they're not like, I've, here's a playbook, go off and execute on the playbook. Like you're trying to get the company to a stage that you can attract that type of profile and hand them pro, uh, a playbook so that uh, they're succeeding. But early on, like, that is like not the type of profile that you should be optimizing for. You should be optimizing for the people who are like willing to roll up their so they're, they're comfortable in uncertainty. They're comfortable with ambiguity. Uh, they're, they're, they want like wide parameters. They're like, resourceful, creative, they're going off and building things. And that's typically like that works early stage. And then later stage, you're looking for like, I'm looking for people who are like incredible at executing. Uh, like here's a playbook, refine the playbook, go off. And, and so they tend to be, at least in my experience, two different profiles. Yeah, totally. 
you have builders and then like to me the next stage is improvers people who can take what you have and make it much better and much scalable and just really build a business let's run through how we solve this problem so you start with what yes so there are kind of three key things uh that i would say like in terms of getting the right person in the right seat there are like three things that uh, jump to mind for me. The first one is like educating like your candidate pipeline. So like if you typically think about the recruitment process, like it typically has been like a higher than train model. Um, whereas like I believe that in an age of software, what employees should be doing is they should be trying to figure out how to like train their candidates first and then hire them. And that can happen with software. That can happen at the top of the funnel. Um, and that's obviously I'm talking I don't know what startup you know, like what companies you know, but usually it's just higher. There's no train. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing about software, right? Like it's like there are like pretty low touch ways um, that companies can like, it, and it's not, it's not so much about training them, but it's more about, I suppose, like training is like a way to educate uh, a candidate on what it truly is like to work at your company. So, um, you know, what does a role entail? What are your value, values? Um, you want to attract the right type of candidate rather than like a large pool of candidates who have no real idea whether they want to work for you or not. Like I, I reckon that like volume has become like the enemy of, of quality in like recruitment. Uh, too many HR tech companies and employers like have focused over the last like 10, 20 years on removing friction from the recruitment process. Whereas like my personal perspective is that you should actually figure out how to uh, introduce friction uh, into the process so that you end up with maybe not like a large pool of candidates, but maybe a smaller pool of like high intent uh, uh, candidates that like truly know what it's like to work at your company. And in terms of what that education actually looks like, it's about authentically communicating, like what are your values? Like who are your people? What is your brand? What is your work? Who are you building? Why are you building it? What does this specific... Um, role look like and and the trap that i find uh employees fall uh, fall into startups large companies like smbs is like you've got to be authentic and realistic because if you're going to sell a candidate a lemon you're going to probably end up with like lemons in your team uh you'd want hires to turn up and and know what they're walking into and so that kind of necessitates that you're kind of like authentic and realistic in the way that you educate them on what it's like to work at your company. And by the way, I see that all the time. Companies sell like we're this utopian environment. Like you're better off just saying, hey, we're a complete shit show. <laughs> we hope that we don't fail, but we'll take it a step further. We're going to hedge our ability to not fail by having values by which you can make decisions. So that educational piece, having values is a huge win above all your other competitors. If you don't have those, then you're just another me too company. And that's what gets those rock stars to say, yeah, I'm not really interested in this role right now. Exactly. But, you know, come back to me later when you get your shit together. Exactly. You couldn't agree more. You mentioned that friction. If people don't align with your values and who you are, let them go. That's good friction to have. You don't need people who don't operate the way you need them to operate. It's better to find that out before you hire the candidate than a couple of months after and you have that switching costs. Your first phone call, you should be finding this stuff out. You should know, hey, is this person positioned right for our organization? Do we have a builder here? Because if the person's not a builder, if they're not using terms like, hey, look at when you ask them what they want to do, hey, I really want to get in and build something from scratch. I want to be able to part of a, something bigger and I want to be able to provide my input on building a company. They don't say those words, they're probably not a builder. 
100%. Okay, so the educational piece, super important. I totally agree with you. What's the next piece? Next one. So you, okay, so you've educated your candidate pipeline, right? That's the first crucial step. The next is like the hiring signals that you're using to hire candidates. And so like my view with the customers that we work with and even the work that we do internally is that employees typically do like, a pretty poor job of like what hiring signals they're using to make a hire. So like, what do you mean by hiring signals? So like, for example, we do a lot of work in like early talent recruitment. So like campus recruitment, like companies hiring students. And so like what we see employers, like the hiring signals that they're using is like GPA, what school you went to, um, like who you know, like signals that just like statistically have been proven not to correlate to like long-term uh, success. And so, I mean, sometimes a company will be like, no, no, they do correlate to long-term success. And I'll be like, well, why do you have 70% attrition rate within your company if they correlate to long-term success? Like clearly oh. there's something um, broken broken <laughs> there. But even in startup land, right? Like the one that I see in startup land happen all the time. And I've fallen into my trap, this myself, right? I will always put myself first. I've made this mistake is like you over-index, like the classic one is you over-index where someone was an early employee at a successful company. So you might hear like a founder say, oh my God, we just hired like a head of marketing who was number employee number 25 at Salesforce, right? That's like the hiring signal, which sounds really impressive, right? But I found out that the connection between being like an early employee of a successful company and becoming a great employee at your company, like often that connection, that nexus is like tenuous, tenuous at best like they just happen to be the right place at the right time they were just on the rocket ship maybe there's like not similarities between your businesses like maybe they are an impressive candidate the wrong person for you there like that's like the type of hiring signal um that we classically see in, in startup land that i don't think is like a really predictive uh signal of um future success whereas like we think one of my uh, views on like the most underrated hiring signals, especially for junior employees, is like intent. Does the candidate exhibit like demonstrable intent that they're deeply interested in your work, your people, your values, your brand? That's like the foundation that you've got to work from. Because my bet is if you truly vet for intent uh, in the recruitment process, like nine out of your 10 hires are going to become like great hires. And compared to those attrition rates we were talking about, that's like a pretty good strike rate. Look at if people get it, and they desire what you offer and they have the capacity to do the work. I'm totally quoting like Gino Wickman from Traction. But those three elements are present. They're going to be a good hire. You have to understand too, we're not selling cars. We're not selling used cars anymore. I'm going to get you to take my job. It's more important that you treat the recruiting process like an enterprise sales process as opposed to like a quick transactional sale. Because when you do, people stick. When you're transactional, that's just a recipe for attrition all day long. Yeah, I love, I mean, that, that similarity between we sell to enterprise, our company, and the similarities between that and doing search and recruitment, like are eerily similar. Yeah, but let them make all the mistakes. Let all the large companies, because they can afford to, right? They can, they can. You yeah. cannot afford to if you were a small company, founder, CEO, executive. So like every hire that you make that's a bad hire is a mark on you. Exactly. If Zuckerberg makes a bad hire, he doesn't even know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. What's the third piece? Uh, the final piece. So, okay, you've educated your candidates um, and you've vetted that candidate pool using like those better hiring signals. The next step that I feel strongly about is like the use of simulations or case studies 
in the recruitment process. So like when you get down to your final few candidates, you want to give them that opportunity to road test working with your team and, you know, have a go at like interactively solving the problems that your company is like focused on and vice versa. Like obviously from the employer perspective, you want to be able to see that candidate in action before you commit to hiring them. And like every time, this is like the most interesting and illuminating part of the recruitment process, understanding the way a candidate thinks on the spot, communicates with others, how they build in a live setting, like that just cannot be replicated in any other part of the recruitment process. Um, so it's obviously uh, crucially important for an employer to see that in advance of like someone that you're hiring, but equally it's important for the candidate to be able to kind of road test that new potential team. Um, so, you know, when you think about that, I suppose like engagement, it requires like active participation from both sides, from both the employer side and from the um, from the candidate side. And we do this in the interview as what we call a working session, which is really you sit down and you solve a problem together. You actually work through something that's relevant to the business. That's not doing a coding test or doing something that really doesn't, yes. you know, something you learned 20 years ago that doesn't really matter. It's actually working on something relevant to see how people problem solve, how they communicate, how well they show up, because that's the way they're going to show up every day. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's outrageous to me to think that like people wouldn't include that in the recruitment process. It's such a valuable exercise to just, yeah, see, see how it would work in real life. You're doing it right, buddy. Shoot, we're getting pretty close on time. Tom, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Yeah. So when it comes to this challenge of like, just summarizing what I've said, when it comes to this challenge of getting the right person into the right role, like the three steps that I, I really impress upon um, everyone is like figure out how to educate your candidate pipeline, um, figure out who those high intent candidates are who truly want to work at your company, look for better hiring signals. So like stop and think about like the signals that you're using, do they truly connect to long-term success? Uh, and then finally use those case studies, use those simulations for your very best candidates at the pointy end of the recruitment process because that's going to be that really valuable exercise to figure out if you're a match made in heaven uh, so that you can avoid costly mistakes, both for the candidate uh, and, and for the employer. So that they would be the three things that I've learned the hard way. I did not uh, have those things figured out, uh, you know, two or three years ago when we'd started the company. I've learned them the hard way too. So learn from us. All right, Tom, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Rated community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can find you, find the platform, all that good stuff? So you can find me on LinkedIn. My name's Thomas Brunskill. Uh, feel, free, feel free to connect me. Uh, our website, uh, Forage, is www.theforage.com. Um, and yeah, we'd, we'd love to connect with, with any of your listeners passionate about this space. I want to thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all those shows for you. And we want to continue to bring valuable content to you and your business week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. You can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Rob Whalen. Rob is the co-founder and CEO of PTO Exchange. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Jerome.